0: The past. It used to be a newspaper. The Buff Podcast. Not outclassed. Once on mass. Get it on lunch. Everyone up to the end of the game. The Buff Podcast. Hello
1: and welcome to
0: the Buff Podcast. My name is Mark Isles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is the podcast that brings you the very best of Bolton Wanderers news, the very best of Bolton Wanderers gossip. And hot takes on the length of the grass at Chorley. Yes, sir, madam, you have arrived at the right place. On the show this week, Chorley, you can't be serious. Ian Everett only has one problem, and the pitch is it. Holding Wanderers to account. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Warning, it is dry. And we open up a line of duty inquiry asking whatever happened to that bespoke music they played before kick-off. But first, I told you last week that the free 30-day trial of the Bolton News Premium subscription was over, but that was wrong. Yes, a day after we recorded the podcast, the Folk News West Towers phoned me up and said, hey, you know that 30-day free trial? Well, we're extending it to June 20th. So I says, okie-dokie. That's the podcast room for this week, then. Um, So for another couple of weeks, you can check out what we've got to offer. So go to thebaltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe. And you'll be getting more Colin Todd stuff coming on uh, on its way this weekend. We've got some great stuff coming up on the Phil Parkinson years as well. I've had a good chat with uh, Jem Karakan this week. And we're starting a special post-match podcast, which I think I'm going to try and trial after the Carlisle game, um, which will be exclusively for subscribers, well worth a listen. And, uh, well... Just give it a go, boltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe, 30 days free. Give it a go. Right, so let's introduce the co-host of this podcast and a man who has asked for just one thing for his birthday this year. It's a Gerald Sid match attacks card, prime condition. It's Henry
1: Hewitt, of course. Henry, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. It's, uh, yeah, that is now on my wall. It's next to my Bolton calendar, which is Geffen Jones this month, uh, and uh, and yeah, the uh, my first check that I got for doing this podcast, which has got zero pounds. Zero. Pounds it's made it. absolutely of rubber. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm very good. I'm very good. How are you? You've been busy this week. Uh, well, you've been busy working on bins. Apparently, yeah. not the bins. A bin.
0: To be fair, I probably would have got better paid working on the bins, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, we're glamorous, glamorous job that I've got at times working on a, a wheelie bin with Luke uh, Gallagher at Bolton, uh, at Carrington. No shade, and and to be honest, my I, I look a bit like Zoidberg from Futurama. My my mm. my skin is is pink like a, a lobster's. Mm. Luke Luke has got ginger hair. What he is like this morning, I don't even want to know. It's been a uh, it's been a bit of behind closed doors week, of course. Bolton uh, playing a friendly at Carrington against Stockport County, um, but we we'll start with we'll start with Chorley. We'll start in a, a sequential order to this podcast. I want to bring order from the very start, Henry. And we started at, at Chorley um, in the long grass of Chorley. What do you make of it?
1: Yeah, well, I wasn't at the game, but going off uh, some of the pictures that people were posting, um, you. 'Cause I mean somebody said I think it might have been well, I don't know, it might have been Charlie who said that they've had the, the pitch relayed or whatever. But then you're looking at the pitch and you are looking and thinking that's a bit I don't know, I could I can understand why Ian Everett was upset and I think fair play to him, he could have just said nothing, but we know if Ian Everett, if he's got something on his mind, he will say it. And <laughs> I actually think he was he was spot on with what he said, you know, if we like Charlie, I think was it three thousand the attendance? Yeah, so if the you know, the they want that every season they want um you know a lot of bolts and fans turning up well you you can't just let us play on a, a an Amazonian field it's got to be uh, it's got to be a good condition so I I agree do you think he was a bit harsh on him or do you agree no
0: I think he was absolutely a hundred percent correct I was amazed actually when I because I, I, I I'll hold my hands up I actually got the kickoff time wrong so I was running really really late Normally, I'm I'm quite early for a game, as most people will will know. But for some reason, I'd never saw that it was back at two o'clock. So I was an hour behind schedule. So I run in, looking at the grass, and thinking, "What the hell is going on here?" And I go up to the press box, and the the, the lad from the nbl had just tweeted out, "What a great pitch! What a wonderful pitch! What credit to the ground staff!" I thought, this looks like it's a wild pampas grass or something. You know, it's like the Argentinian plains or something. And um, about two seconds later, Ian Everett was kind of walking down uh, the, the touchline. He looked up at us and he's he's like shrugging his shoulders like, what the hell is this? You know, he's he's trying to wade through it with a machete or something. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, look, it, I, I fully accept that, um, that they just had the picture he laid. Uh, From all um, accounts at the club, they've changed the ground staff quite recently. Uh, The pitch hasn't been in as good a condition as it used to be, so they have relayed it. Obviously, they were under pressure to get it ready for this game itself because it was going to be a big money spinner for them. Uh, but they've got the dates wrong. That's the that's the bottom line is it's just it was not ready for a first team friendly. It wasn't ready for any sort of real real football if I'm honest. Um a couple of the lads uh, said it was the longest grass they'd ever played on. Um Dapo actually told me the other day that he's played on much worse <laughs> um, he, he was saying he played on Hackney Marshes and such like where it was much much worse but I'm not sure I believe him to be honest I, I, I'd be amazed if he's played on anything worse than that it it really affected the game and they won, they won 3-1 there was nothing particularly remarkable about the game at all really uh, it was just a, a pre-season kind of exercise but particularly in the second half they just couldn't get the ball moving fast enough on it really and so it became a bit redundant. And I think there was probably an element of frustration as well in what, in what Everett was saying, in that they didn't play well in that second half. They didn't move the ball around at all. A lot of it was to do with the pitch, but I think that kind of came out as well. Um, but like, they must have made lots of money from it.
1: Yeah, they must have. And uh, yeah, I think it's... Um, I, I think... You know, I think the the season is not uh, something where if it was a cup game, then you could think, OK, I understand Charlie are trying to make it difficult for Bolton. But it was a friendly game. They made a lot of money from it. And um, yeah, and I, and I think, yeah, he's, he's right in what he says. You know, they want us to come and I'm sure other football league clubs to come as well, you you can't be uh, you can't be doing that. Which is a shame really, because I think Bolton and Charlie you, you even look at Connor Hall who scored, he mm. went on loan, didn't he there? Mm. Adam Seniors I think's been there as well. Yes. So we have got a good relationship with them. So um so yeah, it's uh, it is a shame. But on the pitch then, um you said there that the second half is disappointing. Is is was that do you think because the game was won, do you think there was anything behind that? Why was it chalk and cheese um I, I don't think there was anything inherently wrong. I actually looked at the second half
0: team and I thought that it was slightly younger. there was maybe a little bit more um energy to it i I expected them to go on and score a few more goals than they did in the first half, if I'm honest, and obviously they, they got the one Kachunga scored with uh, with a header from a corner but um yeah, it just never really worked. I, I thought they were quite slow in possession, whereas particularly at the back, uh, they'd been really good against Longridge uh, and the a few days beforehand, moved, moved the ball really well. Um, but they just seemed to be struggling a bit to, to get it out of their feet. It was a little bit slow. Chorley had dropped off and sat on the edge of the box. And I, I accept the point that some people have made that... Um, Bolton are not going to have pitches tailored to them all season but they're never going to come across anything like that it's this isn't like a Burton-esque like you know a bit of a muddy pitch or anything like that it was just unplayable it was so dry so long grass that it it was like playing in my backyard Um, so yeah it, it it's been and gone now it's been and gone but I think Ian Everett maybe looked at it and, and maybe saw a few signs of fatigue in a few of the players. I thought they were quite good first half, though, to be honest. They played some good mm. stuff. I think Dion Charles has turned up in absolutely impeccable form. Really has impressed me. Uh, Kyle Dempsey's looking good as well. Um, there's, a, there's a few that have caught the eye. Bradley, oh, Connor Bradley, good grief. He, he looks like a player.
1: Yeah, well, him—he uh, obviously moving on to then the Stockport game yeah. on on Tuesday. He scored. Kachunga scored to make it three and three as as well. It's mm. things are looking rosy at the moment, I, and I know we've got tougher tests to come. Uh, you know, in the friendlies, you look at Watford and Huddersfield, and yeah, I mean Carlisle will be a, a tough test mm. as well. So, um, but no, I think at the moment it's looking good. So moving on to Stockport then um, it all seemed to the match seemed to suddenly go into. Uh, 100 miles an hour after the 60th minute when all those subs were made but what did you make of the first half of it and then what did you make of the second half? It it was a little bit slow to be honest. I thought the first, certainly the first half was slow.
0: Stockport impressed me. I thought they played some good stuff. Kept Bolton pinned back for a lot of the first half and I I think that the best Uh, attacking stuff was coming through Charles again he was dropping a bit deeper he had Amadou Bakayoko playing alongside him so he was kind of filling in the little pockets of space and and linking up with Bakayoko who had a a couple of good chances probably should have scored at least one of them Um, Declan John had one as well that uh, I think it was a flick on from Bakayoko that he kind of raced Mm. onto and, and, and blasted over the bar but they did quite well In in little patches, but the majority of that first half was spent um, defending, and they did okay. You know, Southport have clearly got their tails up. They're they're winning, won games all last season, so they're, they're very confident at the moment. It was when those changes were made on the hour mark that things. Kind of turned on their head a little bit, and suddenly Stockport grabbed the lead, and then Bolton scored twice in the next five minutes, and and it was suddenly a very open game, a very different type of game. Um, Dappo, Afolayan got hold of the ball; he was suddenly making things happen, and it it became a much more open open contest. Did you actually watch the game on Stockport's feed
1: because they did a, a a YouTube replay, didn't they? We did, yeah, and uh, luckily because uh, I was watching your uh, match day uh, blog, I was able to um, sort of like sort of. I weren't watching it as a, as intensely as I would watch a league game. I was able to look at the time and kind of pick Fast out forward. the <laughs> yeah the, the best moments. But um, no, I thought the you know I thought yeah Bolton played well. I thought the goals okay. Kachunga's might not might have been a bit messy, but I think for him to be anticipating the ball back, mm. um, you know, that centre half for Stockport, if we can have him in every League Two, uh, sorry League One side this year, because he loves <laughs> a mistaking as Bolton. But um, yeah, Kachunga to to anticipate it and then to follow up was great, and obviously Johnston's pass to Connor Bradley was uh, was great and a great finish as well. So he just gives us a bit of. You know, I know the manager said after it, he's he's been wanting to have the players, uh, especially the strikers, sort of more movement up front and mm. anticipating more. So if that's the way we're playing this year, and then if we can get the fullbacks in with our defenders doing forty-yard cross field passes, then we're in for a good season.
0: Yeah, I think there was there was some good there was some good aspects to it. There are also some, it, I wouldn't say bad aspects because it's it, you know it's just stuff you need to work on, I suppose, at this time of year. But one one area that does worry me slightly is that uh, it's been a little bit cumbersome playing out from the back. I thought mm. uh, Jack Iredale probably against Longridge was, was the best we've seen. George Johnston, when he came on for that last half hour, was good as well, I, I might add. But I think generally speaking, it's been a bit slow. I think maybe the, the, the defenders haven't been quite as switched on as I'd like to see yet so far. Um, the other bit I would say is is that with Connor Bradley on the right hand side, I think he is arguably first choice right wing back. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It, 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 I just wonder where Kieran Sadler fits in with it all because at the minute he seems to be playing almost understudy to Bradley. He's playing the kind of the the opposite half to Bradley, um, and it. You know he's not really getting much of a chance to do what I think he's better at, and and obviously he, he filled a gap in last season as a, an auxiliary right back when when Marlon Fossey got injured. But I, I wouldn't have said that was his long term vision, and and if he's going to start that game against Ipswich on the opening day of the season, I think he probably needs more time in a, a position where he's slightly more comfortable and can maybe make things happen, and and that's the that's the position at the moment. That is probably most up for grabs, I would have said, the, the creative midfielder, whether it be Sadler, um whether Dapo is is happy there, whether he's, he's going to be the number 10 or Kieran Lee looks a little bit off the pace at the moment. Obviously, he missed the, the uh, Portugal trip because his uh, his wife was giving birth. Maybe he's got a bit of catch up to do. But that's probably the, the big area with the question mark over at the moment for me.
1: Yeah, because, I mean if you look at I like, you know, Dapo is a great player, but I do feel and don't get me wrong, I've not been to a match this year in in the pre season, so maybe I'm I'm not judging it right from what I'm hearing. But for me Dapo has been quiet so far in, in uh you know, in pre season. No doubt he'll he'll you know, he's he might shine as we get closer to the, the season and in the season. Um but saying that I think Santos has been a bit He's not his usual self. You know, you look at the goal against yep. Charlie, and then one or two moments against Stockport. So, yeah, I think even though we have done well in preseason, season you're right, there's there's ways to improve and get players in. Um, do you think then that sadly, his best position, he's kind of challenging Dapo for that number ten? Could he go out to the wings? Um, he's, mm. I guess, he's he's gonna he's gonna be our new utility man. I reckon yeah,
0: yeah I mean it's it's often a, a difficult one when players are so versatile and they can play different positions because you never see, seem to be able to nail down the one I would have said his best position that we've seen him in, in is playing in a 4-3-3 in one of the wider positions however I don't expect Bolton to start the season like that to be honest I think it's going to they're going to play the 5 at the back and it's it's going to be a case of you know Wing back or changing during a game, maybe sadly he's got to make his peace with that until maybe there's a system change. But um, no, it's, I do feel for him a little bit, and and I do have that question mark over whether Dapo is is going to have to just fit into a system that doesn't necessarily play to his strengths. Um, just because I, I can't see Ian ever moving away from that front two that he seems to like. With Charles being the one that probably has the place, and then it's it's one of Bakioko or Bodvarsson, and even though Kachunga's started the season, the preseason really well, he scored three and three. I, I still think he's probably at the moment on the bench and coming on for me. So uh, yeah, uh, there's 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 still time, isn't there? There's still uh, time to change people's minds.
1: Yes, there is. Uh, we've got uh, what three weeks until that first game, but. As we've known, as if, as we've seen before, you know that team that starts against Ipswich. Um, you look at the team that started this season compared to the team that was playing in March. There was, mm-hmm. there was only three or four plays. The same with the first season under Ian Abbott as well. So maybe for these, like sadly, or in Kachunga, it might not work at the start, but they could end up still having a thirty-game season.
0: Well, it's amazing that absolutely everything that happens at Bolton Wanderers every single day fits exactly into a newspaper. It's time for some headlines.
1: News. Yeah, well, the first one, um, it's come a bit left field, actually, and uh, so far left, it's in Ireland. It's uh, Owen Toll, Uh, which uh, we have got a a chant ready for him. um, But he is a defender, so maybe it it might not work. But anyway, Bolton are are chasing the defender, apparently very well uh, thought of. um, Northern Ireland defender. We've had a bid rejected, but the club have already said that they're going to go back and try them again. Do you know much about him? Have have Mm. you spoken to the club? What can we expect?
0: Yeah, I think what's, what's happening at the moment is working with Derry City... Uh, they've got a Europa not a Europa games. is it, is it National, a Conference League game um, against yeah. uh, it might be Riga or something it's a Latvian team so I think they're leaving him alone for a couple of days whilst that goes through I think that's, that is going to be played um, at the tail end of this week I think it's Thursday um, this is going out on Friday so it was yesterday anyway um, hmm. yeah so he's, they're going to leave him alone there I think Chris Markham and uh, a couple of others are going over Um, next week to talk to the club to put in a second bid I think they're quite confident I think they they feel like they can get something done he is well regarded I think he's been their captain at Derry for um, the last 12 months he's got 150 games under his belt already started as a 16 year old so he's he's well established over there he's played quite a lot of football for a a young man, he's still only 23 6 foot 2, he seems to have uh, all the attributes that, that Bolton kind of need from a centre-half. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's exciting. I haven't spoken to too many people. I'm going to try and track a couple down that have actually seen him playing regularly over there in, in Derry and, and see whether I can get that in the paper early next week to find out what uh, what's in store. But from the clips we've seen and from the, the stats that I've been looking through, he, he does seem to have uh, a good aerial presence, which is is something that maybe uh, maybe has lacked a little bit maybe it's been Santos or nothing as far as um, winning stuff mm-hmm. in the air so that's that's something maybe he's uh, coming to bring in um, and it's good also to see him tap in that market as well because I think we've seen quite a few players come over uh, from the League of Ireland it seems to be a league that is developing good players and I, I've been quite, quite keen to see Bolton do something about that they've got Owen Doyle over there of course um so it's it's nice to see them just uh, expanding their horizons a little bit isn't it
1: it is yeah and i believe owen doyle uh has, has spoken to the club about him and uh, yeah uh which is great it's great to hear that because i know that that's when he moved It's said and you think oh well that's nice but is it going to actually happen and it looks like yeah he's actually going to come back with some good players and i guess if you look at in the 90s we we kind of Um, went to Scotland for a lot of our players. Maybe this new uh, generation, White Hot 2.0, is going to be filled with Irish players.
0: Yeah, White Hot 2.0, like the Irish. Oh, I don't know. Uh, It's a work in progress. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll come up with something better anyway.
1: (laughs) Give us another headline. Uh, well, this one uh, surprised a lot of people and it it's, it came on social media at the weekend when Ronan Darcy was seen in a Swindon shirt. <laughs> Somebody's managed to see a video or a photo and see him in the background and people were like, is that Ronan Darcy? Or is, is that a lookalike?" Yeah. Um It turns out it is Ronan Darcy and the club have confirmed now that um, even though they would like him to stay and fight for his, his spot and, and be in the B team, he has been given an opportunity to go on trial at Swindon. And I think for, for the club, this is a, a, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think they'd let the likes of Dapo do this, but just for a, a club to allow Darcy to do it and say, right, if you want to go for free and better your career, you can do. I think it's quite, you know, it's quite amicable really.
0: Yeah. And if you think it was a surprise for the fans, you want to see the press team. Um, <laughs> when I told them. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, we, we we talked about it last week, didn't we, about Ronan and whether or not maybe he would uh, mm. look on elsewhere and, and maybe look to move on. I do feel like it's been on the cards for a while for him that it, it's clearly written that he's not going to have an easy route into the first team at Bolton as it once looked like he would do. I think when he was playing under Keith Hill, I think everybody expected him to be moving on and playing regularly for Bolton in the future, but it hasn't worked that way for him. It doesn't sometimes in football and sometimes you have to take a a step back and and, and try and get yourself regular football elsewhere to to move on again. And if you can get in at Swindon, I mean, that's a cracking club to be able to get in at as well, because obviously you'd expect them to be up the top of League Two this season and they do play some good football as well down there. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that Bolton aren't staying, uh, stepping in his way and, and, and making it like a, a transfer fee thing because it that would possibly complicate things. It would certainly minimise what kind of clubs he would be able to get to. Um, so I think he would be quite an interesting one for anybody at League Two level, let, let alone Swindon. But um, he's, he's obviously pitched up there. From what I understand, he played very well against a, a non-league team. Last week, there's another game, I think it was Thursday night, Swindon, Swindon Submarine, which is a great name. Um, yes. So, providing uh, providing he does something there, then maybe maybe there's something on the cards there for him. But technically, there's never been any questions over Roden. I've always thought he's a good footballer. It's always been physically, can he do enough? Can he do enough defensively? Can he get himself in? involved in a, in a league one midfield in a league two midfield so that's what he's got to prove and, and by all accounts he's he's uh bulked up he's got you know more physique about him now he's, he's obviously got the bit between his teeth and wants to relaunch his career so the very best of luck to him
1: yeah exactly i don't think there's any bolton fan that wouldn't wish him the best i know if he does do well for swindon and uh you know bolton aren't doing as well as we'd hope we will i'm sure there was a few fans that will be questioning this decision but i think you've got to remember it all in context it's the same with politics you know it's yes they're good players and they've played well for bolton but at this moment in time would they get into the team and the answer's no so it is probably the best decision to let him go and yeah i think darcy when he went on loan last year to you know scottish second or third division whatever it was it, we all felt he's better than that level so to go in at league two if he can get a contract and play well then then great, brilliant, and uh, good luck to him. Mm. Well, I mean, Dennis Politic,
0: in fairness, he got a good good move there for uh, Cremonese, mm. wasn't it, in in Italy? Um, but I think I think, to, off the top of my head, it's thirty one minutes of football he's played over there. So you have to put everything into context, don't you? It's uh, it was a good move. Bolton got a transfer fee, but um, he you know it hasn't quite happened for him either yet. So the 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 story is
1: still being written, though.
0: Give us another headline. Uh,
1: well, this is uh, what everyone was talking about last week, and the accounts are finally out oh. now. Anyone that knows this podcast know that, like me, like many fans, don't have a clue about anything that was said. Um, I, a lot of people being negative, and then the club came out and said, "Well, we've lowered the uh, the losses we've made." So it's a great, a great news. Mm. So. I'm handing it over to you. What the uh, what as a as a club are we okay? Is there anything that we should be worried about? Uh, should we be rejoicing? Um, <laughs> what do the accounts tell you?
0: You can't make that bold a prediction about anything really. All we can honestly say is that it has clearly cost a lot of money in, in the pandemic. I think we saw uh, the turnovers drop by thirty four percent. So. That shows you the kind of figures we were talking about when the fans weren't coming through the door. I know a lot of people bought the season tickets and, and kept their money in the club, but they still lost three million plus pounds in turnover, which is a massive drop. Um, but as the club rightly say, the, the losses for the, the operating losses for the year were um, I think 500,000 pounds, which is about two and a half million pounds less than the previous year. Um, a lot of that you have to qualify. This makes for very dry podcasting. I appreciate this. If you want to listen to it in a a, a fashion that uh, has all the detail and a lot more of the presentation, then probably Kieran Maguire's one's the better one, to be honest. I'm sure. In fact, I know for a fact that Kieran's talking about Bolton this week. So please do listen to it. But um, yeah, I, I... I know that they've had a £2.5 million loan from Eddie Davis written off the books. That's a top-line figure. Um, once again, Eddie Davis's trust have, uh, well, co- come to the club's aid, if you will, and, and that money's been written off. So I think that's worth saying and thanking uh, the Eddie Davis Trust for. Um, there is also a quite big saving on uh, the furlough scheme. I think they, it was nine hundred thousand pounds that they took out of the furlough scheme. So, um, but still, uh, quite a lot of money um, having to be paid for wages. Um, in fact, I've got my I've got the figure here for wages. Do, 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 where are we? Uh, total wages were six point two five million pounds. So that even that is down on the previous year. Um, the interesting, the headline bits, the headline bits, the, the juicy bits, are always down in the notes. So, the the bit that interested me was that there was about eight million pounds, just over eight million pounds, that was due this year, this August, and that would probably make the average person gulp and think, oh, my word, you know, but here we go again.
1: That's um, a Johan Almander.
0: Exactly. That's a whole Johan Almander. Um, that's not even with a Daniel Bratton thrown in. That's just a Johan Almander. <laughs> so, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, if you, if you say that in itself, you think, oh, crikey, what's going on? Actually, what's what's happened is that a lot of these loans are being turned into shares. So, basically, Football Ventures and Sharon Britton and, and the other directors, they're... they're um, their stake in the club is being slightly diluted now one of the bigger loans was the one they took out from the government we've talked about that on the podcast before um from the uh the uk future funds it was just over five million pounds if memory serves um and that obviously helped them through the pandemic and, and it was given on that basis um but they had the option at the end of that loan to turn that into shares so it looks, and as we're recording this podcast, it's just dropped at company's House that a, a loan of that size has been turned into £5 million worth of shares. So I'm going to make the assumption that that is what's happened. So that is now written off the books. I think there are some other ones, some other director loans that have also been turned into shares. So whereas... You could argue that they're maybe just kind of manipulating uh, you know, loans into other other things. It is gradually being absorbed. There's still, I think we worked out, about £22 million that is down the road, further down the road in loans and money owed to other people and all that kind of stuff. There's still stuff on the books, but that could well be transferred. It could be turned into equity. Could, there's lots of other options. It is being managed at the moment. And at the moment, all we can really do... Is trust that football ventures are running the club in the right way, and it looks to the untrained eye, as myself, like they are. Um, the other, before I stop waffling, uh, the other top line, of course, um, was that another four million pounds was raised um, with a share issue to a Swiss consortium, um, BMLL Limited. Now, at the start of the year you'll regular listeners will know that uh, we were talking about uh, Swiss visitors and that actually they had quite a few of them. There was quite a few of them at one stage. Mm. Um, It looks like that has now been confirmed. They did indeed put some money in. We are now in the process of finding out who these people are because we've got a bit more information um, and exactly how it works out. But it looks like, you know, Sharon Britton has looked for investment, come through with what is needed for this year, we know that if they do go up a league, they're going to need more. I think that's mm. a fact of life. They're going to need to find some more investment because up there, the the wages and the transfer fees are much, much higher. Um, yes, they get a bit more money, but it's worth about, what, six million quid going up into the championship. It's not going to be a massive amount. So I think, realistically, football ventures are going to have to find other people to, to get on board if, if they're to go where they want to get to. So
1: does that make sense <laughs> yeah it does and i think like for me if you if you think about um what you've just said there and think yeah, a bit a, a loans being managed or debt being managed is a position that this football club hasn't been in for a long time so that sounds yeah. good the uh the thing is then you've got to look and think well with all these this loan becoming shares would that ever i'm not supposing for one minute that we'd go back into administration or back to where ourselves and Derby have been in, but I mean would that be a potential problem down the line if um if the club was looking to be sold if you 've got too many cooks involved, could that be an issue or, or well, would... I, I
0: think it, 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 it would it would decrease what football ventures get out of the the whole pie I mean you're just basically talking about a great big apple pie that 's now being sliced into uh, smaller and smaller slices really so at the end of the day, when you sell that whole pie, how much of it do you get to keep? Um mm. and, and down the road it may be that Football Ventures or or um Nick Lucock or, or Michael James decide to buy more of that pie back. We don't know. We don't know how, how things will work out down the road. But I think at the moment it looks like they're managing things as as best they can. I, I've said so many times on here they They never came in and said they were going to be spending millions and millions of pounds of their own money. Um, You know, they were never going to buy their way out of this division. It's never been the case. Um, So they're going to have to manage it in some way, shape, or form. Um, And the challenge will be when they really do have to put their hands in their pockets in order to, to get Bolton to stay at a level. It's okay kind of pushing towards the championship. But I think once you cross that threshold, that is where the real kind of litmus test is going to be and um, that's where as I said before they, they're going to have to uh, find some find some investment find some answers really
1: Yeah because I think when you look at the championship and you think okay you look at clubs like Rotherham who seem to make a habit of getting promoted and then relegated mm. um, you know there is pressure on Rotherham to stay in the championship no doubt but there's less pressure on it than Bolton Wanderers and even if we got promoted this year and say well we've been out the championship for three or four years, there will be a lot of pressure on the board and the club to stay in the league because Bolton fans, we consider ourselves to be, at the very least, the top end of the championship club. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I think if we get promoted, you know, as good as the transfer activity has been, you're probably looking and thinking, well, these players we've got now are very good uh, for League One. Are they very good for the championship? You may have to have another overhaul of a squad. So, yeah, I think uh, you know. But and, hey, hey, we've got we've got Swiss guys flying in to watch us beat Sunderland six <laughs> nil. If we can get a few more six nils this year, maybe we won't have to worry about that.
0: Absolutely, and 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 Switzerland, loads of money there, isn't there? They, they've got it mm-hmm. under under every single sofa cushion. There's there's a good couple of hundred grand in Switzerland. I'm well I'm well informed. So who knows? Who knows how it's going? Yeah, can there is.
1: Cl- Clocks and Tobrón. Goes, yes. <laughs> flies off the shelves and lines the pockets of the Swiss. <laughs> right, let's move on to something less dry. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so Ian. Uh, as we head into the by the last six weeks of the transfer window, Ian Ever has been talking about if there's any more players going to come in, and he's uh, said that one position where there won't be any players coming in is strikers. Um, <laughs> Do you think this is on the back of the fact that Kachunga scored three and three in pre-season, but Barson scored a few, Bakioko's looking good and Charles is looking good, or do you think this is this has been since the very start?
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, we've, we've seen a couple of strikers linked this summer. There's Collins at Cardiff and, and Barkhausen at, at, at Preston as well. Um, I, I do sense that if the right guy would have come along, that they would have looked at it particularly I think if they had somebody that could play in the wider positions, that might still come around. Whether or not Ian Everett is boxing the same type of player in with strikers, I'm not too sure. Um clearly centre half is the is the position that he's kind of looking at most urgently. But yeah, I think the I think bottom line is that he has got four strikers there that he's got to keep happy and also Dapu off the line as well. So you've, you yeah Dion Charles as I said before I think is your starting center forward and it's A and other with him at the moment. But what what about you? I mean at the moment who would you who would you pick?
1: Well I think yeah I, I I've said before on this podcast Dion Charles is my favorite player so uh, I'd definitely have, have him. Um I'd probably at the moment go with Bodvarson Varson, personally um you know but then again Bakayoko showed last year how good he is coming off the bench and I do agree with what you said before. I think Bakioko and Bod Barson will switch up uh, throughout the season. They'll probably play a similar amount of games, start a similar amount of games and hopefully score a similar amount of goals, which is 20 or 30. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'd probably go for Bod Barsen. Kachunga, yeah, can come in and out. I think Kachunga for me, so far is his best period was before he got injured at Christmas. I thought he was playing really well. Got injured, and his momentum just went for the rest of the season. So um, it's good to see that he's getting some of that back. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'd agree with you. I I'd, don't I'd agree with the manager. I don't. Strikers is the position where I think we're in need the least, and that's because any you can include a Lion in it those players are scoring goals at the moment and they're scoring goals at the end of last year and they're probably going to score goals this, this season. So, yeah, I don't think you need to upset that. It's, it's other positions, really. Right, give us the last headline then. Uh, yeah, so this is Simon Marland, of course. Um, everyone knows Simon Marland. He's the full-time, secretary. Well, he was the full-time secretary at, at Bolton. He got us out of a lot of red cards and uh, he appealed a lot of stuff for us. He did. Um, he's now retired um, so he's going to be staying with the club as like, a part of the historian work that he does but we've got a new man coming in. Um, uh, you know Simon, Simon Marland and you've spoke about him on this podcast before but what sort of a legacy does he leave at Bolton?
0: Yeah, uh, Simon's uh, been an amazing servant for the club since he took over. I mean, he, he took over from a very good secretary and Desmond Bain, um, year 2000, bizarrely enough. We had a great black and white picture of the two of them actually uh, printed in the in the Bolton News this week. And uh, Simon had hair. It was incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, 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 he's done a, a fantastic job. I know he's going to still be around the club. In fact, I actually bumped into him at uh, Carrington uh, the other day. He was behind closed doors friendly, but there's no way he was missing that one. Um so yeah I I I'm sure he'll uh, be a helping hand for Richard who's taken over um and and show him the show him the ropes but he's been a a, a terrific servant for the club he's very very well respected in football and actually you mentioned those red cards of course uh, I forgot about that yeah he uh, he certainly uh, certainly saved a few suspensions down the years and I'm sure he's rescued a few deals as well if you talk to him about some of the the transfer transfer stuff that he has done and some of the deals that he did sign, you know, when you're talking about your JJ Kochers and your um, Bruno Gottis and your Yuri Georgios and such like, Simon was the guy that knitted those things together. Wouldn't have happened had it not been for him. So what I am looking forward to is sitting down with Simon over a cup of coffee and listening to him talk about those deals, by the way, and that is coming very, very soon to the Bolton News uh, readers. So, um, yeah, I hope he enjoys his his retirement um i'm told that he was back in work on monday um 2 days after his retirement but um he uh he won't be far away i'm sure he won't be far away certainly will be travelling to uh, to every single away game and he's a, a regular on the trains like i am so uh he'll uh, it'd be good to see him it'd be good to see him um and he'll be uh, doing every single park run i should imagine in the entire uk as well that's his uh, that's his other great love is that philip Moraish? It's the film race post bag, and uh, well, this week we've had some really good ones, really good ones. I mean, we do every every week, but uh, I'm glad because it means that I don't have to come up with um, with things that uh, pad out the show. Although this week I could have padded out the show with me just coughing and and spluttering because that seems to be a, a regular thing in this one. But uh, right, let's let's read out some emails. Let's read out some emails. Um, Dear Mark and Henry, I listen with interest to your interviews with two female Wanderers fans. Um, I think he's on about uh, Angela and Emily, um, about the possibility of having a women's team under the club's official umbrella. Do we have any official word on what happened to the Wanderers ladies team and why, after so much publicity, it suddenly died a death? I remember reading in the Bolton News about how they were a few steps off the Super League and attracting all sorts of sponsors one minute and then nothing the next. Surely with the club now embracing the whole fan base getting a women's team up and running should be a priority says Dean H. Hmm interesting what do you reckon I mean obviously we would like to see a women's football team um an official one under the actual club's official umbrella but first of all what would you would you support that I mean how to to what extent could you support that
1: yeah, I think it's it's part of modern football is to have a a, a women's team. Yeah. Um, you know, you want kids who are growing up around the area not only to, you know, it's not only boys that should be nope. thinking I want to play for Bolton Wanderers. It should be um, young ladies as well. And uh, and yeah, I think it's uh, it's something that I'm sure, you know, th- you know, as as uh, he said there, you know, we we are trying to embrace the full fan base, and uh, you can tell that the club are. I do have, uh, you know, women in that in the thought process in what we're doing and making it more accessible and uh, more comfortable. So um, I'd be surprised if if that isn't something that's on the mind. But the thing is, you've got to remember it does cost money. You know, they've got to, mm. um, you know, you you there's a lot around making a women's team and uh, may you. I'm sure it's on the mind, but maybe for next year or the year after, when uh, they've got a few more of the stuff to go with a business that has been sorted out, maybe that's something they can they can do because you know you think that even having the odd game at the the stadium um, will I'm sure there'll be a, a quite a lot of fans that be interested in going to that and yeah, uh, yeah looking at them rising up the leagues so it would be great.
0: Yeah, it was a shame what happened to the the Bolton Wanderers Ladies team, to be honest. Because it was managed by the Community Trust at first, then it kind of it it kind of graduated to a, an external um, club. It kind of it moved outside the the Bolton Wanderers umbrella and became kind of semi associated with the club. The club still provided kit at one stage, but then I think financially. Uh, the club couldn't afford to do that anymore, and and then they kind of went autonomous and and went their own way, and I think that's where the the emailer has has picked up on where they were they were looking to get sponsors and they were trying to to publicise themselves, but then um, as as a lot of these things do, the the venture just kind of folded in on itself, and and maybe yeah maybe they lost a little bit of money and a little bit of momentum. I know they moved from from Atherton Coles to Atherton LR at one stage, I think it was they were playing, and then. It's kind of disappeared off the off the grid, but I know that the Bolton Wanderers, uh, Bolton Wanderers, in the community still run a very good uh, youth team, as far as as far as for young girls in the town as well. So I would like to think that that will eventually um, evolve and to to give a kind of a steady flow of players up to a, a senior level, and that, that that can be a a start for them. But as you say financially it's got to be right it's got to be built on on firm foundations and uh yeah i would i would like to see it though i definitely would like to see it, it would be it would be another sign of a, of a really healthy club for me so mm. um right okay another email hi mark hi mark henry who i'm pretty oh. sure was a wrestler
1: yeah, he was
0: yeah um Interesting as ever, listening to the latest podcast, particularly the mail about players who have been brought in and not performed. However, I feel obliged to share with you my tuppence worth about the squad and the tactics for next season. Well, that's what we're here for, Tim um, from Southampton. Um, Okay, number one, he says, interesting that Ian spoke of the pitch at Chorley. For sure, we need to practice on far worse when we visit Fleetwood, Burton and Plymouth. Uh, the lads need to practice on a farmer's field beforehand. I will say that the, the pitch at Plymouth is actually really good. It was just wet. I don't think they could do a great deal about that. Um, do, you th- do you think that's right? Do you think that's right? I mean, it was it was dreadful. The, the grass was dreadful. You're never going to come across anything like that. But do you think that they need to have that in their arsenal, a plan B, if you will?
1: I think it's a very good point. And, I mean, the problem we've got at Bolton is we've got... Very, very good ground staff. So I have, yeah. Uh, yeah. the pitch at the stadium and the training ground is ex- exceptionally good, which for a Premier League is brilliant. But yeah, I think he's got a point. You know, you look at the Fleetwood game and Burton in particular playing them in the winter months, um, and uh, yeah, we did struggle. So uh, yeah, he's got he's got a point. Maybe they can have just a pitch, um, you know, on one on the end of a training ground that is. But they don't really pay as much attention to. So it doesn't it <laughs> doesn't get in camera shot, so it all looks good still. But still when we're about to play um, you know, on these uh, these pig fields that we sometimes play on that we can practice on there. Yeah. But then again you could argue well the players could get injured, so hey. I'd just
0: love to see that. Just a a parade of donkeys just going up and down on the field to to make sure it's as (laughs) as rutted as Mansfield. But yeah, okay. Um, Number two, says Tim. um, What about a free kick coach? We never seem to score from corners, for instance. Um, I'll pick you up there, Tim. Scored from corner against Longridge and scored from corner against Chorley. um, Mm. And scored from a free kick if you count the fact that George Johnson's pass for Connor Bradley was actually a free kick, but um, set pieces, I think it's fair to say, have not been brilliant. Um, a set piece coach, would that work?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, we talked about this on the podcast, uh, not last season, but the season before, when Ian Everett has said um, he, he didn't see the point in practising set pieces and we couldn't believe it because he's such a, a chance, you know, a big chance to score. I know statistically there's more free kicks and corners that don't end up in the net than do, mm. but it's still an opportunity. So I think he's addressed that, and I think we've got. I think Sam Heard has been working on that behind the scenes, and I think you you look then at the end of last season, and uh, if you think that I think we only scored with Doyle against Oxford from a corner in the mm. first half of the season, there were definitely more coming from free kicks. I think the Charlton game where we won um I think Emerson scored, that was from a free kick and um there were a few others as well, like Williams against Sheffield Wednesday came from a corner. So um so yeah, it's it's something that I would agree with. I think we definitely need to have you can't just chuck it in the box and hope for the best. You need plans.
0: Yeah, I think um, Aaron Morley being there, that, that, that reliable delivery mm. is a big thing as well. I think he's he really has got that cult- cultured right foot um, and he, and uh, I think he's made a big difference. Um, point number three Tim makes is uh, we should start a game as if we want to win it instead of waiting until we're a goal down. Um, well, yeah, yeah, I, I know where you're coming from, Tim. Um, but number four, he says uh, sometimes we have to have more physicality. It may be that the squad is too lightweight physically and look how we improved with Bakker and Bod Farson. Do you think there's a, a problem with
1: physicality in the squad? Um, I think for me, the bigger problem is, and I, I think we have addressed that with some of the players we signed in January, but I just didn't think there were any bite in the team. Again, when you go into the places like Fleetwood, on a cold Tuesday night, I I think uh, uh, we had we had good players on the ball, but no one who was going to stick a foot in or go pound for pound with them. So I think that's that's more where my concern is. I don't know if if uh, Tim also that's the point he's trying to make, but um yeah I think yeah I think uh, we we are uh, I mean it's the way we we try and play. We we naturally we have got the ball on the ground, so naturally you're going to have more. Players that are going to be say smaller and quicker, but um, I think at the moment you look the Santos and Emerson and we've signed signed uh, Toll, big lads. Williams puts himself about. Um, I think as well a, a guy who's really underrated in his uh, in his strength is Dapo. I think yeah. Dapo's a, he's he puts himself about. He gets in front of players, um, and I think he's really he doesn't get enough plaudits for that, but. Um, yeah, I think, I think we just need players so who are going to stick a foot in at these grounds and hopefully we've got them now.
0: I'd also like uh, a selection of audio files from the noises that Dapo makes when he gets uh, fouled as well. <laughs> they are magical, believe me. Ah! 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 It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, but anyway, um, last, last thing that uh, Tim does say is uh, Plymouth away. I noticed in August this year, so maybe the pitch is smooth like Francis Drake's time at Plymouth which ah. is a nice historical reference there, although he doesn't note that Francis Drake was buried in a, a lead coffin in uh, Panama. Um, so it wasn't all great for Francis Drake, in fairness. Um, anyway, dear Mark and Henry, last email. Last email. Um, dear Mark and Henry, hope you would be both keeping well. We are, thank you very much. I'm just going to scroll down and see who this was. And I haven't put the name on, but never mind. Um, right. Uh, following the announcement of safe standing to be permitted in the Premier League and Championship, what are your own views of this at the Reebok? Brackets will always be the reebok to me. My personal view is that this should be at least explored, and supporters should be asked of their opinion. An option, if of which favour of which areas of the stadium it could be introduced in. Whilst I accept the argument that it doesn't increase the capacity, it will improve the safety of those who already choose to stand home and away supporters, as well as appealing to supporters who miss standing at football matches whilst having seating options. Um, so, I mean, it's it's obviously been uh, trialled. It's now been okayed at Premier League and Championship level, which is which is great. Um, and uh, well, I mean, I, I know there are there are structural reasons why it's not going to be very easy. Tom Gleaves is the fellow that's uh, sent that email, by the way. Tom, thank you very much. Um, so yeah, the I know there are structural reasons why it's not going to be very easy to do at Bolton Wanderers. It's not impossible, but uh, it, it's slightly more complicated because of the size of the. Um, the, the banking, the kind of the, the 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 angle that it kind of it, it goes at. Um, would you would you turn down a seat to go and stand, for example?
1: Um, I, I think I would. I would try. I do enjoy standing up at away grounds. Um, but I, I think the problem, as you said, structurally with Bolton's ground is it was built in an area where it was. Uh, I mean, what it was less than ten years after Hillsborough, so it was. <laughs> It was still in people's minds to sit down. Um, you know, you look at old goals and you see there's more and more in the older goals that the away fans are sat down, whereas the modern Day away fans are stood up. So the uh, the mindset of that has changed. But um, I think if as long as it looks good, because I think Bolton's ground is is an excellent looking ground. So mm-hmm. unless I wouldn't like anything to happen to to you know to to ruin that, but. Um, Uh, Yeah, you've got to depend. It depends where they put it. Um, I think somebody mentioned the North Stand Lower. I think that's a good idea. Uh, I don't think for one minute they're going to put it under the Stug scoreboard or to the right of uh, Ian Everett because of the away fans. (laughs) So I think North Stand Lower would make sense. But the problem we've got now as well is, and as we've seen when they were talking about maybe shutting the upper tiers, is that a lot of people have sat in the same seat for for 25 years now. Sure, yeah. So yeah. if you say to a, a family, well, we're going to make the North Stand lower standing and they've got you know, little kids and they don't want to be in that position, then it's an awkward conversation to have. So I saw a few people discussing it on social media the other day and I think that's what it needs. It needs the club and the fans to discuss possibilities and hopefully come up with a, a solution. It might be that we don't do it or it might be that we do
0: yeah, and, and to be fair, I had a very brief conversation about it with Neil Hart um, last season. He he just said we're open to the conversation if if people want it and if, if people want to talk about it, then then Ari's, and then they seem to be that way, Bolton at the moment. They will uh, they will listen, which is good. That's great. Um, just a, a very final point from Tom. Um, it's a, a line of duty, in fact. So we maybe we should have some music. So Tom says, what's happened to the composed entrance music Enter the Heroes by Paul Lovett Cooper? I remember the club announcing the new entrance music at the start of last season and it being played for the first home games back-to-back after COVID, but it just seemed to be replaced not long after that. Do you have any information? Because I'm just curious,
1: he says. Mm. Do you remember it? That's a good, yeah. Yeah, I do. That's a good point, actually, because it's uh, Kasabian now, isn't it? So, it is, it So is. Um, I mean that could come from the players i guess maybe they that's what they want uh and you know let's face it it's it is actually what they want i'd rather have a song that gets them up for it rather than rather than not but as as our previous email said we we don't tend to start quick matches so maybe uh we do need it back but um yeah it was a strange one that wasn't it cuz it it, it it seems to come and go i, I i've got to say i i do like and we've discussed this before i mean i Come from an area where we had uh, six three three squadron and then Championi before that, and I, I do like that. But you know, I, I guess that's great for me, who's, who's been supporting Bolton over twenty five years now. But would the players who are younger than that um, be interested in that? And would that get them up for the match? Possibly not. So, hey, if we keep on winning, they can come out to whatever they want
0: No, no, it's, it's interesting. Well, Football music is one of my uh, love topics, as you know. I, I like to uh, like to discuss what gets played before games or what get played uh, during games. So, um, yeah, if you've got, if you've got any thoughts on football music, then please, or if you've got any theories on uh, Paul Lovett Cooper's uh, song, then please uh, please send them in. But um, I'll have a look into it. I shall open up that line of inquiry. I will say, however, on on Kasabian. I once asked Ian Ever if he was responsible for playing Kasabian uh, because it was at a time where they, they they got quite a long undefeated streak when it had been played, and he looked at me as if he, he, I had two heads. I, a, I'm not sure he knew who, who Kasabian were, um, and B, I'm not sure he was expecting that question after a game either. So um, I'm not going to ask again. I'm not going to ask him. Um, it's just not worth it at all. Right, a very quick announcement for listeners of The Buff. We're running a fantasy football league this season exclusively for listeners of the podcast. and We plan to throw in some prizes out on a regular basis just to keep things interesting as well. Uh, We'll have a few familiar faces from around Wanderers and hopefully we'll also get them on the podcast to see how badly or how well they might be doing well that uh, they're doing so keep an eye out on the programme notes for this podcast uh, or on my Twitter account as well or on all our other socials I'll be putting out very shortly for details of how to join in Fantasy Football on the Buff Let's play the A-Z game OK How many scorers can you name Quite a lot a game for food. All right. wait a minute we've changed the rules Kick it in the long grass. right to finish off this podcast um, which has been a bit of an ordeal uh, this evening to be honest um, is a quick game of A to Z we'll play the same rules as last week um, so name a club Corresponding with that letter of the alphabet, and then a player who has scored against Wanderers for that club. Um, so uh, A for Arsenal, Thierry Henry. Right.
1: Uh, assuming well, he, he has that.
0: Well, well, we'll 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 start we'll start again. But you know we'll, we'll... he has
1: done. He's definitely scored. Uh, I, should yeah. we just start with
0: B? I think I think it's a fair shout. To fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Okay. So timer, the clock of doom. Has begun.
1: B Uh Bradford. Uh what was he called? Roe. What what was he called? His Z, first name. But Roe. Uh, uh, Roe? No. Roe he scored in the last minute against us at behind closed doors. Oh I'll just say Roe. That's fine. That's Roe, fine. there
0: very go C Charlton. Uh, um I don't know who scored. Uh Chelsea. Uh, Zola.
1: Is Zola yeah. well, Good Johnson, he scored, yeah. Good Johnson us. scored, yeah, okay then. Uh D. Uh, um, got to go
0: with Derby I guess um, yeah oh uh, uh, Mason Mount scored a hat-trick yes uh, E Everton uh, Exeter Tim Howard Tim of course Tim Howard yes F F uh, Forest Green nobody scored for Forest Green did they I don't think um, or Winchester. Oh, Winchester got... Winchester scored for Forest there Green there we go um, uh, F G G Gunsby Gillingham uh, Cattle Dempsey. We did Cattle Dempsey last week. But I don't care. Yeah. H. Uh, Huddersfield. Uh-huh. Sean Scaddle. uh I. Right. Ipswich.
1: Uh, Jim Magilton. We did him last week. Yeah, but fair uh, sorry,
0: J. No. K. Don't think so. No. L for Leeds. Uh, Mark Varduka. Uh, yes. uh, M. Uh, Man City. Um, oh, Manchester United. Wayne Rooney. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh N, Nottingham Forest, uh Jack Colback.
1: Oh yeah. he uh, scored in that okay.
0: three 2 didn't he? Um Low no O's, peas, Pompey. Oh, there there is O's. You keep you keep skipping O's. There's Oldham. Oh, uh, Oldham, sorry, Oldham. Um uh oh, Not Joe Who scored the goal that goal um when they beat him at Boundary Park. Oh god who was it? I can't remember. Oh, Ox um, Oxford then. Um who scored... who
1: scored the goal When last minute when he won last year or two years ago? He scored in the last minute against us. Oh, there it goes. Uh, uh, I don't well, know. Well, I don't know. There's a load of, and I've got to say this is just before my time, there's a load of fans of a certain era who are shouting whoever scored the goal where, was it Mike Patterson? Ah, did a back, yeah. a back pass in the FA Cup? Of course, course court, it was. was it? Yeah,
0: of course it was. Oh, damn! It was that Darren Beckford, wasn't it? Uh, Darren well, Beckford. Well, uh, and do you know, I used to sit next to Darren Beckford in the press box all the time at Macclesfield. Ah, yeah. sod. Why didn't I remember that? And also, it was um, it was oh, not was it Amu? Was it Ryan Amu? scored the goal anyway um, so So, so he got sent off he scored and then he got sent off for for Oldham uh, Boundary Park in Phil Parkinson's time I can't remember who it was but anyway Um, right okay well that uh, brings us to an exciting and well not that exciting uh, rather (laughs) uh, (laughs) rather mysteriously boring uh, end to uh, to the buff this week but um, if you've made it this far you well you're going to listen every week let's face it Um, yes next week we will have the um, the results of another behind closed closed doors friendly uh, at Watford. Mm. I'm going to Watford, Colney, where Arsenal used to play in England.
1: Yeah, if you, uh, yeah, it, it's hey, all the big jobs for you, mate. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know.
0: I'm, I feel like a KGB agent though at the moment because I, I'm I'm doing nothing but uh, but inf- infiltrating training grounds and uh, and reporting from behind the lines. It's uh, it's half Kate Adie and half uh, half football reporter, but uh, never mind. Um, I'm sure by the time the fans do come back, oh, is it um, Carlisle the next one that Bolton fans are going to Yes, yeah, so torch?
1: we we'll do a, a podcast next week looking ahead to the next match where Bolton. So it's like being back in 2020. The next. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to the next time fans will be back, which will be Carlisle. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and then
0: it'll be the actual real season. That'll be incredible. OK, mm. right. Well, I best get out of here and see how many more government ministers have resigned. Um, so, uh, yeah, until next Friday, I've been Mark. I don't want to be the Secretary for Transport Isles.
1: <laughs> and I've been Henry... That reference could be very old by the time this podcast goes out on Friday and we've suddenly not got a Prime Minister, possibly Hewitt.
0: <laughs> All hail our new overlords, by the way. Uh, this has been the <laughs> buff. <laughs> <laughs> First not last, it's not
1: surpassed. It used to be a
0: newspaper. The buff podcast. Not outclassed. Once on mass, <laughs> get it on lunch directly. The Puff Podcast. Podcast.